0: If you have a Bible with you, would you turn to Daniel? That's the Old Testament, y'all. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, that's where we're going to be together. But I want to read a passage. Um, I'm just going to read. You can listen to this one, or actually you can read it behind me. Um, just to sort of set the stage for the evening, and then we'll jump into the primary text, Daniel 3, for the evening. And uh, this is what it says in Matthew 7, to sort of set the stage for tonight, this is Jesus speaking. This is this is at the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which would be Jesus's sort of longest recorded sermon. Um, it's an interesting sermon because he speaks about all kinds of different subjects in this message. He's up on this mountaintop and he's he's speaking to the masses of people and he. He's speaking about many, many topics. It wouldn't really be a good sermon in 2018 because it'd be all over the place. Uh, you know, we typically would try and speak about one thing, but he's just speaking about all these things, and it's a beautiful message because what he's getting to is the heart of the matter. On any number of subjects, he's, he's trying to uh, remind his people what the heart of the issue is, and so we don't have time to talk about um, all of those things here tonight, but I just want to, I want to, address his words that he spoke at the end of this message, and this is what he says. So then anyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain poured down and the rivers flooded over and the wind blew against the house, but it did not fall because it was built on a rock. But anyone who hears my words or hears the words of mine and does not obey them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain poured down, and the rivers flooded over, and the wind blew hard against the house, and it fell. What a terrible fall it was. You see, according to Jesus, he thinks that you and I are wise. If we listen to his voice and obey what he says, he actually calls that wisdom. And somebody once asked me this question. They said, I know you believe in Jesus, but do you believe what Jesus believed? There's a difference. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. You believe in Jesus, but do you actually believe what Jesus believed? And if you really believe that, Not only believe in him as a person, but if you believe what he believed to his core, it would change what you do. Because the way that we believe, the true things that we believe in our heart and our mind, they inevitably change what we do. It's just the truth. So I'm going to just leave Jesus' words kind of there as a foundation for this message. And uh, I want to invite you to find a pen, pull a pen out, pull your phone out, pull, I don't know, somewhere, I, I... I don't, I don't think I've ever asked anybody to do this before, but I'm actually going to specifically ask that you would write down the title of this message because I think that God wants you to know it. This is the title of the message tonight. First time, right away. Write that down somewhere. First time, right away. First time, right away. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you are here in this place that we believe that you have filled this room with your presence and that you are here and you desire to speak to every heart. I thank you that it's not about me and what I could do with my own gifts or abilities in the flesh, but you've anointed me to speak your word and to express your heart tonight. And so we all ask together that you would do that, that you would speak through your scripture, you would speak through me, but it would be your message. That our hearts and our minds would be open to whatever it is that you would wanna say. That we'd receive your word, that we would allow it to transform our life, and we leave this place different. We pray in Jesus' name, and amen. So Jess and I were kind of surprised parents uh, when we first had our first child. We, we were married for two months, and we were on the five-year plan, you know, make a bunch of money and travel the world and then have kids in our time. And Jesus just, uh, he sometimes decides, well, your plan is not my plan, and so here we have this baby on the way. And uh, I I think I would guess that it'd probably be the same no matter what age you are, but for us, um, I guess we weren't that young, but I still felt like a a little teenage boy, and uh, I kind of still do sometimes, like, (laughs) I look at myself and I'm like... I'm just a kid, you know, but I'm I'm a kid that now has a kid. It's sort of like, you know, little Russian doll situation, like, like just little people having little people, and uh, and so we we all of a sudden have this human that we're responsible for, and 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 you have to do everything for them. You have to figure out how to raise these people, and so I am trying to because I always want a plan in life. I like a plan. I, I, I like plans. If I'm going to drive from my house to church, I want the route. I want the fastest route. But I always want to plan in life. And so I'm going to listen to people. I'm going to read books. I'm going to hear teachings and stuff. So when it comes to disciplining the child, I saw something that I thought worked. And so I picked up on it. And it's called one two, three, magic. Magic. Sometimes it's not so magical, but this is what we chose to do. We said, okay, Jess, we're going to do this every single time. If our kids disobey us, then we're going to look at them. We're, we're not going to freak out. We're not going to, ah. We're just going to look at them and say, that's a one. <laughs> Calmly. Take the emotions out of it. Just, that's a one. And the book says, like, you, you know, most people, they, they argue and they get in, all, in a huff puff. And they just to take the emotion out of it. Just say, that's a one, Johnny and then go back to what you're doing. And then if they keep doing it, you look back at them calmly and you say, that's a two. And then you go back to what you're doing. And the point is that you don't argue, can I have candy? No, why not? I said no, why not? Because dinner's being made, why not? It's just one, two, three. That's a three. Take five. A Five is a timeout. We chose the nose on the wall method because it's really embarrassing. Have you ever had to stick your nose on the wall in front of other people? It's pretty embarrassing. You should try some time. But here's what I found out about the 1-2-3 method. If you instill the 1-2-3 method, then the kid is never going to do it on 1 or 2, or 2.5, or 2.75, 2.9. 2.9, I swear, I'm going to get to 3, and if I get to 3, and they always know that there's going to be another number. 2.9999. And what we're teach them to do is to just wait until we get to the number that they know that we're actually going to follow through on the discipline. On. And the other day, me and Jess were blown away because we had some friends come over to our house. And they have four kids, a two-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a ten-year-old. And we're hanging out with these new friends, and we just think that they're amazing. They're so full of wisdom, and they're just great people. And so we're, we shared a meal together, and the kids are running around doing their thing, whatever. And, and then we noticed at this part of the night that, that one of them said something to their child. I think it was the youngest child. And they gave this commandment. They just said, hey, will you do this? And the child obeyed immediately. No questions asked. No argument. And I was like, What? Was that? <laughs> Can I get it on Amazon Prime? Is it a potion? Is it a lotion? What is it? I, wanna, I want some of that, Jess. Let's get some of that. And he, and he goes, he goes. Oh, I oh, watch this. Kids, come here in a line. Bam, they're in a line. I kid you not, just right away. Boom, line. Probably in like ascending order of height too. He goes, watch this. Hey kids, when do we obey? Perfect unison. First time right away. I was like, Hold up. How did you do that? I say, Kids, come here. You got to hear this. <laughs> That's a one. <laughs> you know, like, they would not even come to hear the cool. I, the kids come in. I go, JC Parker, listen to this. I go, do it again. Kids, when do we listen? First time right away. I go, kids, we're doing that from now on. <laughs> Ain't no more of this one, two, three stuff. We're doing it right away. Got it? That's, a one. <laughs> That's a one. There's something about obedience. It's hard. Obedience is hard. Like, even as an adult... Even if it's something that you want to do and you know you should do and you're at work or you're wherever and somebody says, hey, go do this. Isn't there something in you that just doesn't want to do that because they told me to do that? Now, I do it when I want to do it. Like, we don't like to obey. If somebody tells us to do something, that, no, because you said to, I'm not going to. I mean, there's just something in the heart of a human that doesn't want to obey. It's interesting. I think that it's, it's an issue that is at the heart of our relationship with God. Because Jesus says, if you hear my words and obey, you are a wise person. And if you hear my words and disobey, you're an unwise person and your house will fall. And yet there's something inside of us that, that struggles with this, this thing to obey God first time right away. I want to take a look at three people that if you've been in church for any, any amount of time at all, you've probably heard of these guys. And uh, you've probably heard this story before, and I just want to invite you to, to listen with some fresh ears tonight as we look at, look at a little piece of the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, because. This is a story of three guys that were really, really good at obedience and disobedience. Both are important. And so we're going to start in Daniel 3 together. And we're going to start, we're going to pick up in, uh, in verse 4. Actually, let me give a little backstory of what's taking place. So, So these three guys are Israelites, they're God's people, but at this particular moment in history, what has happened is that God brought his people out of Egypt, through the wilderness, finally into the promised land, and he established His people as his people in the promised land that he gave them. Eventually, they said to themselves, we want a king like the other nations have a king. And so they started crying out to God, give us a king, give us a king. Even though God knew, I am your king. I am your authority. I am the only one that you need to listen to. I have your best in mind. I'm the creator of the universe. I know everything that is good and right for you. And I'm willing to provide it for you. If only you would look to me and listen to me and obey me. But if you want a human king, I'll give you one. And so he established a human king for them, and that began uh, this, this sort of dynasty of kingship after kingship. And basically, from the very beginning, after like the third king of Israel, there was a split in the nation. There was a split in God's people, and it became two nations, the northern nation or northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And because almost none of the kings that reigned in the northern kingdom of Israel, none of them were good. In fact, it says time and time again that this king did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the way that they did evil is they disobeyed his commandments. And so there's this people called the Assyrians that came in the year 722 B.C. and just totally took away all of the people of the northern kingdom, the northern tribe, the people of Israel. Were gone forever, never to be heard from again. But there were still two tribes that remained in the southern kingdom of Judah. And there were some good kings and some bad kings that ruled that people. But because they also disobeyed God and his commandments and they worshipped foreign idols and foreign gods and they did not show justice to the orphans and the widows, there was a coming destruction from a nation called Babylon. And so where we find ourselves tonight in Daniel 3, is that this nation Babylon has come into God's territory and has captured some of God's people and taken them back to their land, the land of the Chaldeans, and has has sort of established these Jewish people into their culture and is making them sort of live in their land by their customs. And what you would find in Daniel chapter 1 is that the the man that the book is written or named after, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said to the king, we don't want to dishonor our God by obeying your customs. Would you allow us to eat the food that our God requires us of us? And they followed God even in that way. And because they still succeeded in life, they were elevated to a position. In Daniel chapter 2, uh, Daniel interprets his dream for the king, and they were elevated even more to be even rulers in the nation. And this is where we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 3. It's kind of a weird thing because they sort of uh, gained this good position in the eyes of the king and yet, it wasn't their beliefs that had rubbed off on him. Yet, he was still a pagan king that was interested in pagan worship or self-worship or both. And so, this is what happens. Daniel chapter three, starting at verse four. Oh, I, I guess I, just to just to sort of speak through the first few verses. What, what the king says is this. He creates this golden idol, this statue, 90 feet tall, and he sets it up. And he says, When you hear the instruments play, when you hear the sound of the instruments play, per my commandment, everybody in the nation is to bow down and worship that idol. And this is what happens next. Verse four. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, The pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, and the bagpipe, and every type of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, and the bagpipe, and every kind of music, All of the peoples, the nations, the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here's the scene. We have an authority that's in place, the king. It says that he's the greatest and strongest king in the whole world at that time. There's an authority that's set in place. There is a nation that has surrounded the king ready to obey his commandment. There is a stipulation given. When you hear the sound of the instruments proclaimed, you are to bow down and worship the idol. There is peer pressure that's going on because when they heard the sound, all of the people around, they all obeyed the voice of the king, obeyed the sound of the trumpets, obeyed the music, and everybody bowed down and worshiped the idol. And then finally, there's a consequence given. When you hear the sound, if you disobey, you will be put to death immediately. So there's an authority in place, a commandment given, and an opportunity to obey or disobey. You see, you and I face this same scenario every day, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with a golden image, and idol, sitting in front of us. It has to do with many, many other things. You see, there are voices, there are heralds, there are calls that come at us from every direction. Not just an authority above, not just a devil below, but almost every direction these days. There's voices coming at us and they're loud and clear from everywhere in our world telling us to bow down and worship idols in our land today. There are voices that are telling you to bow down to the God of pride in your life. You know what? You should be number one in your world. You should do whatever you want to do because you should uh, have the authority in your land. You know what is best for you, so you should listen to the voice inside your head and bow down and worship the idol of self. And there's pressure towards that all the time. There's a voice in our land saying that you should bow down and worship the idol of lust. That you know what? God created sexuality. God created you with that drive. If God didn't want you to extend that drive and, and to pursue that and to, and to look at those things or to be with those people, then, then why would he have made you that way? You should fulfill the cravings of your own flesh. You should bow down to the idol of your own selfish desires. There's voices inviting us to bow down before the idol of money, of gain. Tempting us all the time to work for money, to accumulate more money, to store it up for ourselves, to spend it on ourselves, whatever it is that we want, to be stingy towards giving towards others. Because there's this, there's this call in our land that's calling to us saying, bow down to the spirit of mammon. We have calls challenging us to bow down and worship idols all the time. Just because it's not a golden statue in front of us does not mean that there's not many opportunities for you and I. And there's, there's this power, authority as it were, that's trying to convince us to do something. There's peoples all around us that are doing it all the time and pressuring us to do the same thing. And we find ourselves in moments of obedience and disobedience every day. And what you obey and what you disobey will eventually accuse you. This is what happens in verse 8. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, you made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall bow down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the fiery furnace. We're reminding you, O king, of what you said." There are certain Jews whom you appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, they pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You see, what you obey will eventually tell on you. I think that, myself included, we, we think that what we do in front of the people is what is going to be believed from the people. But the things that you do within the dark of your own room are telling on you. The things that you disobey at home or at work or at the bar on Friday night, and then you act different here in church, they, they will tell on you eventually. And it works the same way, on the other hand, that some of you think that you're unseen. Some of you think, man, nobody thinks anything of me, but, but you spend time with the Lord in your room at night. You pray, and you worship, and the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of you, and you might not know that anybody sees you, but it's accusing you that you have been with God. The fruit is coming out of you. See, Your obedience and your disobedience, even in the hidden place, is going to eventually come out for people to see. More importantly, whether people see it ever or not, God sees it. God sees it. And so the accusation came. O king, these guys are disobeying you. They did not bow down when they heard the call and worship your idol. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the bagpipe, every kind of music, right now, fall down and worship the image that I've made, and it'll be well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> O oh, Nebuchadnezzar. That's probably how they said it. You know, I wish we had tone of voice in the Bible sometimes. Like when Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan, was he like, hey, get behind me, Satan. Probably not. (laughs) They're like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you see, we have no need to answer to you in this matter. Oh, you might be the authority over us in this time and space, but there's a higher authority. I I don't need to answer to you. If this be so... Then our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They knew in faith. Our God is able. Our God could do anything. Our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace one way or the other. He could do anything that he wants to do. And you know what? He may or he may not. But even if he doesn't deliver us from that furnace, he'll surely deliver us from you because we know that we belong to a kingdom that's higher and greater from this temporal life. That's the kingdom of heaven. One way or the other, whether I lose this life or not, I'm going to be delivered from you, O king. And you know what? Even if he doesn't deliver me from your hand right now, I will never bow down to your king and worship you. You see, the moment of obedience is at the crossroads of a hear, a commandment, timing, and action. That's what obedience is. Is when you hear a command given, when you operate or, or respond to that command in a certain timing, and whatever action it is that you take, that's where you will find either obedience or disobedience. And this here is a story of three guys that disobeyed, isn't it? There was an authority in place and a commandment given. There was a stipulation given that if you don't obey when you hear, you'll be put to death. And so really it's a story of disobedience. Except it's not. It's not a story of three guys that disobeyed a king. It's a story of three guys that obeyed a king. Because disobedience always comes with obedience to something else and vice versa. Right? When you choose to obey one thing, you're choosing to disobey another thing. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no just like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing whatever. No, no, no. You're obeying some voice either from your head, either from the world, either from the devil, either from the word of God or the spirit of God. You're obeying a voice that's speaking to you one way or the other. And whichever direction you choose to obey and act, that means that intrinsically you're disobeying something else. This is not a story of three guys that learned the art of disobedience. No, no. no. It's a story of three guys that learned the value of obedience. And they said, no matter if we lose our lives, we cannot disobey our higher calling. We must disobey you, O king, because you're not the highest king. We must disobey you because we have to obey something else. I think that our God is inviting us to be a people. They would choose to obey him first time right away. We started teaching our kids this. I said, I said J.C. Parker, we're going we're to do this thing, okay? Because our friends told us, yeah, there's a reason that we do this. And it's not just this cool thing that gets them to, to, to like impress people at parties, although it does that. But they said the heart behind it, because God's always concerned with the heart. The heart behind the reason we're teaching our kids this line, and to repeat this like that, is because we want them to learn to listen to the voice of God and obey it right away. They said, we try not to put too many specific rules and laws on them because we don't want them to pick up on the spirit of legalism. We want them to pick up on the spirit of listening to God and obeying. And right now, because they're children, we are the the human fleshly representation of their heavenly father. And so we're trying to teach our kids to listen to us, to hear and to respond to that call right away. I thought that's beautiful. So we talked to our kids about it, and we said, kids, this is what we're going to do. Not just because we wanted them to obey, but because we want them to learn to listen and obey. So we start doing the thing, you know. Okay, kids, when do you obey? Parker, first thing right away. <laughs> JC, when do you obey? First time right away. You know, and you just get them saying the thing and the chant and doing it, and they just, they, they memorize it. They got it down. It's great, and we're thinking it's amazing. And so, so one day I say to JC, I go, JC, I think it was uh, maybe go put your jammies on or something like that. And she, and and I say, you know, maybe she didn't move for a moment or whatever. I was like, JC, when do we obey? She goes, first time right away. She goes in there to the bedroom to get her jammies on. So I think, and I go up in the bedroom, no jammies. That's a no. I'm not gonna do it. I go, Jay, Jay, I'm not counting. You just said the line. I, wh- and I probably raised my voice a little bit, forgive me. I'm the only one I know. So I, no, but I was like, I'm like, come on, I'm passionate about this. JC, why, why don't you have your jammies on? And, and you just said the line. You just said first time right away. And she, I kid you not. She starts bawling immediately, bawling. And she goes, I didn't know that you actually wanted me to do it. I just had the line down. <laughs> What do you what do you mean? That's the whole reason to memorize the line. I don't, you gotta do the thing. You do the thing and you say the line. So people are And so I'm walking into Walmart. And I say to the Lord, I say, Lord, this is what the Lord's been doing in my heart recently. He's been saying, if you want to see things that you've never seen, you have to start doing things that you've never done. If you want to live a life that's different, then you actually just need to live a life that's different. If you want to see me move in your world in a way that I'm not moving in your world, then you need to do something different than what you've been doing. And so I start walking into Walmart, and I say, Lord, just use me to bless somebody in Walmart. And immediately, I kid you not, immediately, See this woman in a wheelchair. And immediately the Lord says to me, I told you to pray for every person you see in a wheelchair. He did. Right here on this stage, through the prophetic word, one of the prophets said, you pray for every person you see in a wheelchair. And I don't really like that word because I just, that's not my thing. <laughs> like, that's not my, that's not my gift. <laughs> I'm not like, the people that are really passionate about healing, but maybe I should be. Maybe that's why he told me to do it, because that's not my thing. But he spoke it to me. Right then I said, God, just use me to bless somebody. Wheelchair, pray for everybody you've seen a wheelchair. Oh, dang it. (laughs) So I walk up and it's like, I curved around and kept walking. (laughs) Because like I was like oh you know she's like she's getting to the little short bus and she's going to the nursing home and that would be I can't interrupt and so I kept walking. Kids always have this reason why they don't obey first time right away. Just one more game, Dad. Just wait till I die, Dad. Just one more try, Dad. Jc got to turn. Dad. There's always a reason that we disobey. There's always a reason that we don't do it first time right away. There's always a reason, and I didn't. And then we do that thing that we do, and I say, well, Lord, if you really meant it, then bring me somebody else in a wheelchair. <laughs> Kid you not, I walk, in the, I walk in the lobby, there's an old lady right there in a wheelchair. <laughs> and I'm like, she got her daughter pushing her, and, I'd be, and I walk past her, and I walk past her. I say, Lord, I'm a moron. <laughs> just, just give me somebody else in a wheelchair. I promise you. You know Walmart. I walk right into the vegetable aisle. Bam, wheelchair. No. Come on, Parker. Let's do this first time right away. <laughs> first time, number three. <laughs> Lord's like, one, that's a two, three, go. <laughs> I go, Parker. Let's go. <laughs> S- Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> this is—I don't know you. I know this is this is kind of weird, but me and my son here. I just—I think feel like God wants me to pray for everybody that is in a wheelchair. And uh, is it cool if we pray for you? She's like, that would be so amazing. You know, me and my husband used to be in ministry and we were just talking last night, laying in bed together, saying, Why have we lost the fire? God, why are we where we're at? We we're just talking last night. And you just coming up to us is like, wow, God's sending you as a message. She didn't kill me. <laughs> she didn't persecute me. She didn't punch me or grab her cane and hit me. (laughs) She thanked me. I wonder what the other two ladies would have done. Maybe one of them would have got up out of their chair and walked away. I don't know. I'm just at this place right now where I say, you know what? I can get mad at my daughter for learning the lines but not doing the action, but I do the same thing. Oh, I know how to be religious. Oh, I know how to stand on the stage and say all the right things. I know how to quote the songs and the memory verses and and say all the stuff so you all think that I know the lines. and So you all think that I'm really good at doing all the religious thing. And Wow, that's cool. You know how to say all that stuff. You're really good at saying the thing, but do you do the thing when God tells you to do the thing? I want to be the person that does the thing the first time right away. Obedience is tough. We act like God is good enough for us to entrust him with our soul for eternity, but that for some reason he's not good enough that his commandments that he gives us here and now are also good for us. I, I remember like, When I really came to know the Lord, because I did the religion thing for like 17 years and I faked it. And by the way, religion and legalism is just absolutely horrible. But when you really come into a relationship with the God of the universe, everything changes. And I met him in a real way. And everything changed. And I started thinking about God and his commandments less in terms of me having to submit to some authority that I don't want to submit to because now I follow God. As if the things that he tells me to do are not for my good. Because that's the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion says, okay, if I have to obey so I won't be punished, then I will. But the spirit of relationship says, you are so good, and I actually believe that, that whatever it is that you say, I actually want to obey it. I mean, what? Do you ever feel like that that there's something in you that's looking at God in this, this legalistic way that that you don't really want to obey everything that he says because like for some reason you think you believe that that's not what you actually want that's not what you actually want or it's not what's actually good for you and so if you choose to obey it's like oh I'm coming under this authority that's legalism that's religion but when you really meet God in a real way and you realize that he's so amazing and he's so loving and he's so good that you be to realize that even just one word to come out of his mouth directed towards you you covet it you love it you're like god just say something to me just give me one order i would just love to do whatever you tell me to do You start to realize that the greatest or worst curse that you could ever come under is the curse that God would never say anything to you. That you would experience the silence of God forever. That's the worst thing that you could ever experience. And if you realize that that's the truth, then you realize that everything that God says to you is a delight and a joy and you should want to walk in it because it's going to bring you life and life abundant. And so even though there's that thing in my flesh telling me to disobey God, there's that other part of me, that that life-filled part of me, that spirit-filled part of me that says, oh, when he speaks to you, if you have the blessing and the grace to just hear him say something to you, oh, that's so good, just obey it first time right away, even if you're scared, even if the circumstance isn't, isn't ideal, even if you think, oh, it's going to be awkward in the barbershop bringing up Jesus because everybody's going to be around and somebody's going to feel uncomfortable. And you know, you know what a famous atheist said? He said, I don't believe what you believe, but I do believe this, that if you really believe what you believe, it would be the greatest sin I could ever imagine for you not to tell people about it. As an atheist said that. He said, I don't believe in your Jesus, and I don't believe in your heaven or your hell. But if you actually believe that, and you don't tell, and you don't try and convince me, you're more evil than I am. That's challenging. I think that the heart of this message, even though there are many, many commandments in this word that we should and ought to follow. And if you don't know them or you've been avoiding them or you've been kind of playing the game of, well, I don't really know what the Bible says so I don't need to do that, you should desire. You should desire. This is the greatest love letter ever written. This is the words of life to you. The commandments that God has given us in here are good, and they're good for you. But that's not really the heart of this message, even though you should do that. I think if I could just put it simply, what God wanted me to express on top of his written word is that you would get in your spirit this determination like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That says, when I hear the call, I'm going to obey. And I might have to disobey to obey, but I'm going to obey the right voice. And this is what I believe. And I think maybe, you know, this is a, a prophetic spirit. I believe that most of you, or all of you, at some point this week, you're going to hear the still, soft voice of God say something to you. And you're going to remember this moment right now. And the words first time right away are going to flash into your mind. And you're going to have that moment of faith where you choose to do it or not do it and it's going to be maybe for some of you a moment of the most extreme fear that you've ever experienced in your life but I'm telling you there's going to be such joy like you've never experienced in your life on the other side of that challenge I think even right now there's probably some things some commandments that either from the word or that God has spoken to you even right now some of you that God is saying I want you to obey what I spoke to you I need you to break up with that person I need you to go and have that conversation that you're scared of. I need you to go back right now before they're filed and change your taxes. I need you to go to your boss and you need to confess that you took not a lot of money, but a little money. I don't know what it is. Is there anything that God's been asking you to obey him on that you've been fighting, that you've been rebelling against, that you've been disobeying? If it's true, consider what what those reasons are that are stopping you from obedience. What could they possibly be? And are they worthy? I think that God is so desirous of speaking to his people. You know, we hear Jesus say, my sheep will hear my voice and they won't even recognize the voice of a stranger, and they'll listen. I think that more and more God wants his people not to rely on preachers like me to hear his word, even though that's good, but that more and more God wants to teach us to walk with him day in and day out, hearing the still soft voice of the living God counting it as a joy and a blessing that we would hear that and obeying it. Whatever it is that he, it is that he asks us to do, just obeying it. And so I want to lay this challenge down to you. If or when you hear that voice this week, whatever the challenge is, whatever the commandment is, will you determine right now I will obey, first time, right away. Would you stand to your feet? I want to say a a prayer over you. I'm choosing to believe that most of you in this place are coming into agreement with me that, that that's the heart that you want. And so I just want to pray together, just right where you're at. that God would do something in all of us. Because I'm no better than any of you and you're no better than me. We're all in the same boat. We all make mistakes. And no matter how holy or pious or religious somebody looks, such as a preacher on this stage, we, we each have moments every single day that we could choose to obey the voice of God or not. And I, for one, wanna be somebody that's so attuned to what he's saying and so interested in his will and his kingdom coming, that I will forsake my own comfort, I will forsake my own pride, I will forsake my own image, I will forsake my own money, I will forsake my own, my own path in life and my own destination, my own plan for the sake of fulfilling his plan. I mean, if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then that's honestly the reasonable response to who he is that this is not just some Sunday school story, but that we believe that Jesus is actually the living God of the universe incarnate, that he came to bring us life and to use us to build his kingdom on this planet and for eternity, then we should be so desirous of obeying him in every way. And so if you agree with that, I just want to invite you to pray with me with faith in your heart right now. God, we come to you together, each one of us in agreement Praying in unity. You said pray in unity. You said ask in my name and it's done. And so God, we ask that you would break our heart for what breaks yours. That you would give us eyes to see people the way you see them. You give us ears to hear the world the way you hear it. You give us courage to obey every time that you command us to do something. That we would put aside our own selfish desires. That we would pick up our cross and follow you daily. That we would do whatever it is that you ask us to do. Because you're worth it. Because you're good. And the people around us every day need it. God, we want to hear from you. We wanna know the closeness of your relationship. Would you fill your people with the fullness of your presence to overflowing, Lord?